Hey friends, one of the best practices of growing churches is the use of strategic outsiders. What do I mean by strategic outsiders? These are individuals, consultants, organizations that will help you really with shortcuts to get things done in a better way, a more cost-efficient way, a faster way. They've been down the road you want to go. You know this is true in the home. If you want to get a big project done, you could do it yourself. But really what you want to do is bring somebody in to help you. In fact, what I found in those cases is I actually save money in the long term and I get a much better solution. It's really not any different with your next campus or planting a church. Church planters who focus on building their core teams and partner with the portability experts over at Portable Church Industries hit the ground and running. Yes, you might have more costs up front, but your volunteers, they'll feel invested in. They will give more and they will thrive time and time again. I have found that the strategic outsiders of Portable Church Industries have helped churches time and again. If you're thinking about launching a church in the next 6 to 36 months, we encourage you to go to portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary today that's portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary to connect with these strategic outsiders who want to help you and you launch your next campus your next church plant in the next six to 36 months reach out to them today are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who's going to both inspire and equip you. And today's no exception. Super excited to have Aaron Treadway with us. He is a lead pastor at a church called Fellowship City Church. They have two locations located in Ohio around the cultural epicenter of the world, Cleveland. Uh, Aaron is the uh, the lead pastor. has been there since 2017. At that point, the church had existed for 40 years and was in decline. We're going to pick up the story from there. Uh, but Aaron, welcome to the show today. Hey, Rich. So great to be with you, man. Yeah, why don't you fill out the story? Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how did that connect with Fellowship City and kind of bring us up to speed on that. Yeah, well, first, uh, I I love the idea of the cultural epicenter, which is Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) It is. Isn't that's true, isn't it? Isn't that true? Everyone introduces me. (laughs) 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 I pastor a church in Cleveland, Ohio. No, that's. That's awesome. I'm not a native Clevelander, but I got to tell you, I've grown to love this city. I love mm. the people of this city. I actually uh, originally from California and mm. uh, had the opportunity to travel a lot in my life. You know, mm-hmm. kind of, I guess I sometimes call it my former life. I was a professional athlete. Uh, I was a professional mm-hmm. soccer player for 13 years mm-hmm. and really spent about 25 years in professional soccer altogether. Um, But the Mm -hmm. Lord always had a a calling towards vocational ministry on my life. Mm. I went to seminary kind of while I was a player, Uh, Mm. not a common thing to do. And not because I thought I was called to be a pastor per se, but I was kind of always like a pastor to professional athletes along the journey. 
and mm-hmm. uh, found myself at a, at a local church. I've always loved the local church, um, whether I was living in Harare, Zimbabwe, Singapore, mm. uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, or now Cleveland, Ohio. I've always loved the local church, had a passion to see um, people equipped and released mm-hmm. to, to live out the kingdom and, and live for the glory of God. And so, uh, so yeah, I found myself in Cleveland, Ohio, 2017 with my South African wife. We had moved here <laughs> and this church was in decline. It was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a, a great church at one point. Um, and mm-hmm. this community, in my opinion, needs a great church. And it wasn't quite that at that time. Mm. And what, when you say it was in decline, kind of paint the picture. What does that look like? How did you, you know, uh, so there's two fascinating pieces of that. One is tell us about that. What did that look like? And then how did you land there? How did those two pieces kind of come together? Yeah, I guess the shortest way to describe it is I was a missionary of this church with an organization called Ambassadors Football. Mm-hmm. Uh, after my career in, in soccer, I, I joined an organization, a ministry, a gospel mm-hmm. ministry, presenting the gospel, doing discipleship mm-hmm. through soccer all around the world. Mm, uh, it's part of cool. how I met my wife in South Africa. And so really ambassadors exist to serve the local church around the mm-hmm. world, to help the church mm-hmm. harness the power, the vehicle of soccer, uh, <laughs> to do discipleship and evangelism in their own communities. And so when we moved to Cleveland, Ohio, it was kind of a natural place to land um, mm. because we were supported by this church. And so we kind of landed mm. here and I ended up on the board uh, mm. of this church. And so I served as an <laughs> elder for a few years and, and we, we went through a 10-year downturn in terms mm. of leadership um, where you know there was, was a little bit of moral failure on, on the part mm. of one pastor. There was just some, you know, some deficiencies, a gap mm-hmm. in leadership over 10 years. And, mm-hmm. and really what was a 40-year legacy of real impact in this community had quickly diminished to, um, you know, we were on a lifeline, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I'd love to hear the story of kind of what what has God used in the life of your church over these years between 2017 to now? Kind of what would have been a few of those things that have bubbled up as like, hey, it seems like God's using this to help us reach our community, kind of restore the church to where it had been in the past. Yeah, I think there were, were probably a lot of questions to answer when I first mm. came in uh, to leading the church. And, mm. you know, I, I've led a few different organizations um, mm. from a professional soccer organization franchise mm-hmm. here in mm-hmm. the United States to a, a fairly large nonprofit globally with offices mm-hmm. in 40 different countries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so so from a leadership perspective, I feel like you know, not that I figured everything out, but I really have a philosophy on leadership that's really built around team. It's really mm. a team centric model mm. of leadership where I really want to just empower those around me and believe that uh, together we can do more. It's kind of cliche, mm-hmm. I realize, but I, I really mm-hmm. believe when we pool our resources and re- leverage that which God has instilled within us, we can do more than I could personally do on my own as a leader. Mm-hmm. Now let's uh, let me poke on that a little bit. I think a lot of people say they're into team leadership. They're like, yes, they know that because you're supposed to say that. But then <laughs> it seems like a lot of local churches are like these pyramids that all bubble up to like a single person at the top. Uh, when you say team, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by team leadership? Yeah, I can't speak for for other churches. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm an unconventional lead pastor. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> yes, like great. That. 
I backed my way into this role, but I, I got to say as well, I, I really feel I am here for such a time as this, that God mm. put me to be in this position. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it might not be that we're reaching at this point the outermost parts of the universe yet, but, uh, but God has me here. And so mm. when I talk about team, I do recognize that you know, a, a lot of people say they want to do team and, and value team. Mm -hmm. But for me, what it means is, is trying my best to not build the ministry around my own personality. Mm, I so think good. if I were to, to, to boil down my philosophy, it's, you know, from everything from, from preaching on a Sunday, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I had a, an itinerant preaching ministry for 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. So even though I'm a fairly new pastor, um, I've preached in 150 countries. Right, um, right. So, you know, I'm not the greatest preacher, but I can preach a bit. And, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and yet, I think the, the real tension is not to fill that gap myself. Mm. Um, really try to bring in other people and, and to raise mm. up and also release them to do that, mm. that work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So that's a great example of, you know, how do we kind of acquiesce? How do we give to other people? Maybe talk about that a little bit, particularly on the teaching piece. What has that looked like? How has teamed work itself out in that? Uh, because that does seem to be a, uh, it's like a, a, a bottleneck, a capping off point that we can find ourselves in. What, what does that look like? How does that work itself out in your church? Yeah, I, uh, I'm probably like, most people, I, I have, mm -hmm. I wear different hats. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm a husband, I'm a father, and, and mm -hmm. I lead a, a nonprofit organization in addition to mm -hmm. leading in the local mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. there's lots of different balls you're trying to keep in the air all mm -hmm. at the same time. And, and the preaching team is just one example of how I manage that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the great challenges that I've seen in the local church is capacity. You know, mm. unlike big Fortune 500s who might have, you know, maybe deeper pockets or, or greater resources, whether it's kind of paid staff or, you know, just the finance to go get the right people in the right position. I think the local church often has to think creatively. And mm. I think team leadership is a potential solution to that. It does take the laying down of ego in some mm. ways. And that's something I'm always trying to work on. Mm -hmm. but but the example would be with our preaching team. So I've got about, at this point, 12 guys uh, wow. on a team that meets uh, every Thursday. And <laughs> we do a full run through uh, of the Sunday message, um, whether it's me preaching on Sunday or somebody <laughs> else on the team. The team wow. fully vets the message. The, per the preacher preaches it the, the, mm -hmm. and uh, they have the ability to speak in. So it's really the voice of the team uh, bringing mm. that message through the mm. communicator on any given Sunday. I love that. So the thing you've hit on that we've seen in so many churches is teaching, particularly at and very large churches, is a team sport. That it's although there may be one person who's ultimately up communicating, there's often a group of people behind that. I love that you've systematized that. Even with kind of every week, we're going to pull that group together. I, I love that. One of the other interesting nuances around team, I think in the local church is oftentimes churches that are struggling with team, they have a very kind of strong line between who's on staff and who isn't on staff. And they get really wrapped up in like titles and, you know, that kind of stuff that I think can ultimately undo 
some of the teamwork stuff that we're we're trying to build. A- am I wrong on that? What, what's your take on that kind of thing when it comes to, uh, you know, h- how do you think about staff paid and unpaid, all those kinds of things? What does that, what does that look like for your church? Yeah, for, for us, it's kind of like everybody's on staff. Yes. <laughs> some, <laughs> some people get paid and, and other people don't. In fact, other right. people might pay <laughs> to yes, be on staff. Yes. But we kind of have a mentality that we are one team kind of working together, pulling our resources to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think especially with the, the volunteer staff, you know, everybody mm-hmm. else that kind of sits in the seats on a Sunday it is a paradigm shift. You know, this right. for us at Fellowship City isn't a spectator sport. You know, right. this is this is a battleship situation. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. on the, you know, the, the cruise liner where we're sipping drinks and everybody is mm-hmm. all hands on deck. And mm-hmm. it, it is easy to say, but you, you've got to really be intentional about instilling that within your people from my perspective Mm. Or kind of it's human nature, you know, if I can kind of mm. just be along for the ride, sign mm. me up, you know, yes, I'll yes. Along. Hmm. Interesting. So talk to me about how you're, how you're getting people onto your teams. What's that actually look like? So I, I love this oftentimes, you know, I've said in other contexts that actually volunteer growth is actually a precursor. We've seen this time and again in church growth. It's actually a precursor of church growth. So if you're building your volunteer teams, getting more people onto your volunteer teams, that's actually indication that overall growth is coming because there's this whole thing that happens as people change their own life and they become a part of their team. They talk to their friends about it and and they're like, well, I now do this thing at my church. They end up naturally inviting people. It becomes a kind of accelerant for uh, church growth. But talk me through what that looks like. How are you encouraging people? Like you say, you, you know, echo what you're saying, get out of the stands and onto the field, stop being an, just an observer, become an active participant. What, what does that look like for you? At every level of, of our ministry within our church, um, we're trying to promote this idea of team. So mm-hmm. whether it's kind of the preaching team, uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, the kids ministry team, every aspect mm-hmm. has a team mentality. And, and I know that there's, you know, th- this whole idea of the leadership pipeline is quite a popular concept, mm-hmm. which I like mm-hmm. uh, as mm-hmm. a leader, but I'm, I'm really uh, probably more invested in the idea of a greenhouse where mm. we're constantly growing people up and, mm. and really the, the perspective and mentality of our paid staff is to be working themselves out of a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a mentality, you know, mm-hmm. and unless you're strategically and specifically thinking in that direction, but we're trying to create a culture where we're mm-hmm. all thinking, how can I replace myself as fast as we can? How can I mm-hmm. hold um, my title and my position loosely? Because mm-hmm. I just want to be in the place that I can serve the team best. Mm-hmm. Okay, love that. Let's lean in on that a little bit. I think uh, we've all run into team members on our staff who have not, that hasn't really fully got into their head and they feel like, gosh, if I replace myself, then what's going to happen? Like if I find other people to do what I'm doing, doesn't that mean I'm just going to be somehow made redundant, uh, which we know that's not the case, but work us, work us through that. Kind of talk us through what does that look like for your team? Yeah, I'll try to illustrate that maybe from outside of church world. You know, I served a long time in soccer 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, soccer, you know, whether Americans want to believe it or not, is the most popular game in the world. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> True. And so, you know, the, the reality is there are a lot of people doing soccer ministry out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and whenever a new soccer ministry has arisen over the, the history of Ambassadors Football, we never mm-hmm. viewed it as competition because mm-hmm. we always felt like, there's enough people and enough ministry right. around the world through soccer to go around. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel like in the local church. No matter mm-hmm. how big the church happens to be, there's enough people and enough mm-hmm. work to go around. So mm-hmm. whether I'm the lead pastor today or I'm a campus pastor tomorrow or I'm an elder, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm a kids ministry director or it, it to me, there's just there's so much to do that right. if I'm thinking through the lens of team, there's always going to mm. be a, an important place, not just a mm. place, an important place for me to serve out my calling. Yeah, I love that. I, I and you know, I think one of the critical pieces of building great teams, sticking, and I am like the opposite of the sports guy, so this is I'm way out of my field here at this point, but. You know, knowing your kind of place on the team is important, getting a sense of kind of what is my, what's my unique piece that I bring to the table. Um, how are you doing that at, you know, Fellowship City? What does that look like for, to, to kind of help people find their place, to find their spot in how they can serve, how they could be an active part, an active participant in what's going on? Yeah, we've got a, a few different kind of formalized mechanisms I, su- I suppose mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we we in-house started like a leadership university uh, mm-hmm. just in our church. It's not something formalized. We actually launched through uh, a seminary, Ashland mm-hmm. University, mm-hmm. Um, and, and we found like they, they did a great job that first year. It was a nine month thing, but we mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't contextualized enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so one guy. He on staff, he kind of owned that. And the reason I bring that specifically, that example up is because Mm -hmm. he owned it. He got it off the ground as a vocational paid staff. But now Mm. that thing is fully run by unpaid staff where Mm. we are raising up and releasing uh, leaders into ministry. But but it's actually not being facilitated in any way by somebody being paid by the church. Hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. And so, h- how do you then kind of? That's a good example of any of um, you know an, an area where you know you've been able to hand that over. How do you kind of? Inter- how does your team interface with that? How do you ensure that that continues to push uh, in the right direction? That it continues to meet the needs that you're hoping it will meet uh, in the church. Yeah, it's a good question, and I I, I interpret it as a cultural piece. You know, you want to make sure that the culture of what you're doing remains consistent across the board, whether you're, you know, a single site church or you're multi-site, you know, especially as you kind of broaden your your reach a bit. But that that happens, you know, even within a, a single location, if you're running programs, especially if they're being led by unpaid staff, then, you know, how do you maintain that? For us, it, it's it's intentionality. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. not saying, okay, well, we raised them up and now they're fully released. Fly, yes, yes, you know. yeah, go do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's to continue to have very intentional touch points um, mm-hmm. along the way. Continue to walk the journey of leadership out. Mm-hmm. It just means mm-hmm. that I don't have to handhold quite as much. Um, it right. means that I, as a leader, am released to begin to invest my time elsewhere while I mm-hmm. maintain and monitor, you know, mm-hmm. other things mm-hmm. going on. Well, 
and that's as, you know, as old or as foundational as Ephesians 4, right? That's our job is to equip the people to release them, to get them ready for, uh, you know, the ministry. I love that. Where, where are the bounds? Like, are, have you run into areas where maybe that handoff hasn't gone as well? Like, you know, I can imagine areas where, you know, sometimes people just want a paid staff member. It's like, maybe it's like hospital visits, or maybe it's, funerals or, you know, are there things like that where, where people have kind of pushed back a little bit on this handing off or, or there been kind of, you know, interesting engagements on that level? It's such a good question. And I'm sure, you know, your listeners, especially pastors have dealt with, with that, this question, uh, mm-hmm. for me coming in, uh, for our church, which was a fairly traditional we're non-denominational church, but mm-hmm. fairly mm-hmm. traditional sitting in a fairly traditional community. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. here in Cleveland, Ohio. And mm-hmm. so the idea of multiple voices on a Sunday morning from the right. pulpit, not normal. Right, <laughs> not, right, right. Not readily embraced. The idea of the lead pastor or more appropriately, the senior pastor oh, uh, sure, not sure. being the one who would go to the hospital or you know make mm-hmm. the call or et cetera, et cetera not normal here. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. was it that like we snapped our finger in 2017 and after 40 years we shifted into this, you know, everybody embraced? No, it took right. time. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting too, because, you know, not having been a career pastor, um, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of pastors now and, and we talk about, you know, like uh, different emails you might get or comments mm-hmm. that you might get mm-hmm. on any given week. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing to me is, I, I got a, uh, to me, a, an unprecedented amount of feedback in my early <laughs> days leading Fellowship City. Uh, sure. We felt like everybody wanted to have a say in Every, what Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody <laughs> yeah. had an opinion. And yeah. as a professional athlete, I was not unfamiliar with that reality. You got the sure. armchair analyst. <laughs> In yes, school, yes, right? Yes. It kind of feels like the same thing exists in church world. Oh, you got wow. Oh, wow. Who are not yes. professionals sitting yes. out in the seat, kind of commenting like they are the coach. And yes, yes. Fair enough. That, that makes sense to me. But the interesting mm-hmm. thing that happened is the longer we just stayed consistent with mm. what we were doing and how we were doing it, and mm. unapologetically, for the most part, mm. Uh, the more I felt like people got on the bus and got right. on board. And and I'm not saying that I never get an email with a, mm. a negative critique or kind of, you know, input, but it's very rare for me now. Mm. Interesting. Very rare. In COVID, right. I got two emails the whole <laughs> the last two and a half years. Wow. That's incredible. And that's that's stating a lot to anybody who's been leading in a local church for the last two and a half years. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's been lots to comment on for sure. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I love that idea of staying consistent, staying focused. Um, You know, and people will follow leaders long-term. It's normal at the beginning when you start in a location, you know, for there to be questions uh, for sure. But I love that idea of consistency pushing in the right direction. I'd love to pivot in a different direction. You have a book that just came out that I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, if, if you don't mind. It's called Don't Miss Your Life, The Secret to Significance. Tell me about this book. This is a lot of time, effort, and energy to pull this kind of thing together. What was it that you, that led you to say, now is the time I want to pull this book together? 
Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm super excited. Like you just said, it, it just launched, just came out October 4th. And, mm-hmm. and we're real excited about this particular book. Um, I've been you know, fortunate enough to write a few books in the past, but really for this book specifically is kind of like uh, my life and, and my, my whole philosophy put into a few hundred pages. Mm, uh, and really, it's a book on, on living out our God-given purpose. You know, I can't mm-hmm. speak for everybody, but for me growing up, I wanted to be an athlete. And, and mm-hmm. you already said, that's not what you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so sure. this is not a book about uh, becoming a professional athlete. But for me mm-hmm. growing up, you know, I, I had this vision of what my life uh, maybe could or should be. This mm-hmm. idea in my mind. And, and when I got there, it was an amazing thing. I, I felt, mm. you know, the sense of accomplishment and fulfillment. Um, but the interesting thing, and I think most people can probably relate with this, is, you know, when you start to attain some of the things of the world and some of the, the, the things mm-hmm. that you maybe desire most, they do satiate and satisfy, but not mm. long term. Right. And, and, and for me, I had an experience uh, standing on a, a dirt soccer field in Harare, Zimbabwe, in mm. 1998, where I went on a mission trip, and I'd never been on a mission trip. Um, I was a 21-year-old kid at the time, and I'd mm. only come to know Christ a few years before. And mm. I'm on this mission trip, and we played in a stadium of 60,000 people the day before. But now I'm standing wow. in the middle of nowhere, Africa. Mm. And, and I don't know if it was the audible voice of God, but I, I felt God impress upon me. Do you think I left you on the soccer field all of these years just for you? Mm. Or do mm. you think that there's a, 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 a bigger purpose? You know, right. is there some reason that you are here that is more important than just the significance of self? And, and for me, what I realized in short is that I had aimed the ta- at the target of my, the, the target of my life was the wrong target. Mm. <laughs> um, so for me, it's really become about how do I aim the target of my life at significance instead mm. of aiming at success, which is yes. what I always thought we were supposed to aim at. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, I'm struck by this because I think this could be a great book as like a, a either a team discussion, like with my, the people who, you know, I work with, or even as a gift, you know, maybe to people in our churches, significant donors, that kind of thing. Because I think this whole idea of, you know, we come to the place in our life where we have some level of success, but the question is, is that of any significance? Is that actually making any difference? I really do. I, I love that idea. Now, as you wrote this book, what part of it resonated the most with you or has resonated as you've had it released out there with other people that it's like, okay, this 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 kind of core piece of it is um, seems to be the part that's getting the most traction. Yeah, there's this idea that I didn't come up with. <laughs> Those are all the, always the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, called the hedonic treadmill. Have you heard of it? No. Tell me about it. It's this idea that, um, you know, it's kind of if you imagine that you're running on a treadmill and mm-hmm. the, the, the more you run and the more you attain the thing that you want, the more you mm-hmm. want that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's, yes. Like, yes. it's like sugar. If I, mm-hmm. if I feel like I crave sugar and I eat some sugar, I, I'm satiated for a moment. But the second I eat the sugar, I want more sugar. Mm, okay. Like yeah, yeah. Meal that you can never really get off because the more of it that you get, the more mm. of it that you want. 
And the more mm. of it you want, the more of it you mm. get, et cetera, et cetera. And it just keeps going. And, yeah. and for me, I think that's something that's resonated with me. As I started to experience just a little bit of, of success, I mm-hmm. craved it. I wanted more. Yes. And I started to experience more. And mm-hmm. it's almost like I could never get enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that idea resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that so you know, when you experience success, really the, the success isn't going to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Right. Um, and right. so the question becomes, what will? Mm, love it. Well, and yeah, you can see where that the hedonic treadmill can be really the part of a, a really vicious negative downward spiral in life. Um, or, you know, there could be a part of that that could actually drive to something great, right? That's like, hey, you know, there's if if we can get our uh our desires aligned with things that ultimately push us towards the Lord, that could be a you know, that could be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, when so where do, where do we want to send people online if they want to pick up a copy of this? I, so, like I said, friends, I was struck by this because I do think this would be actually best in a team. Ironically, uh, that this would be best for either your team. Like here we are in the fall. Maybe you're thinking about either you know at last quarter kind of training stuff. I think could be great. I think it could be great if you're looking for um, you know conversation starters with maybe a group of leaders around you. But uh, where do we want to send them online if we want them to pick up a copy? Where do we want to send them for that? Yeah, it's it's kind of everywhere books are sold type of an idea. You know, yep. Barnes and Noble, Noble, Amazon, you know, AaronTreadway.com. Love it. Um, everywhere books are sold. That's, that's where it will be. Love it. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today, Aaron. Is there anything else you want to share with us just before we wrap up today's episode? Yeah. Um, you know, it, again, it's, it's probably a widely known saying, but, uh, you know, I'm married to an African, so I feel obliged to, to share <laughs> this, you know, yes. this idea that if you want to go fast, then go alone. But mm. if you want to go far, go together. And for me and my my leadership, whether it's here in the local church or or a parachurch or on a soccer field, I'm all in with this idea of going together. Mm, Love it. So good. Well, where do we want to send people online if they want to track with you or with the church? You talked about AaronTreadway.com. Where do we want to send them for more information about the church if, if they want that? I want to make sure people are tracking with your story. I think it's pretty amazing what God's doing through it. Thanks, Rich. Yep. Our church is Fellowship City Church. It's fellowshipcity.org. And again, I can be contacted uh, personally, aarontreadway.com. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.